Westside family. My name is Eric Johnson, and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys, and enjoy. So last week we started talking about lessons from a storm, uh, and we split it up into two weeks. So we're going to continue uh, on this message, on this topic. Uh, we're pulling from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, when the disciples was in a storm and Jesus was in the boat and they were freaking out, and uh, he, he calmed it for them. And like I said last week, if you wasn't here or if you forgot, uh, this message is really a, a, a message of symbolism, of representations uh, that is applicable to us when we go through storms. Uh, so that's kind of how we're approaching this, uh, diving into the scripture, seeing exactly what literally happened uh, between Jesus and his disciples. And then we're taking that in a symbolic and representative way and applying it. Uh, to our own lives. So let me read the story for you, and then we'll pick up where we left off uh, last week. Are you ready? On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obeys him. So a lot of even as I'm, I'm, even as I'm reading this this morning, I got, I got, I got things just kind of jumping off the scriptures to me uh, that represents uh, what goes on in our lives when we go through storms and how we are to uh, deal with that or what we can expect from that. Uh, to start off with as just an extra, this is not in my notes it's important to realize that not all storms are demonic. Sometimes we go through a hard situation and the first thing we start doing is rebuking the devil. When in all reality, there are some storms that has nothing to do with the devil. It's just what God is allowing us to go through so that we can get to where he's calling us to be at. And it's so important that we have the ability to see through a spiritual lens, and we have a heart that is able to discern exactly what God is doing in our lives. Because if God is leading you through a storm that is not demonic, you are wasting a lot of energy, you're wasting a lot of time rebuking the devil 
when the devil has nothing to do with your storm. So in this scenario or in this story, we don't see that the devil had anything to do with this storm. Just a great windstorm arose. And sometimes in life, just great windstorms arise. You can be going from point A to point B, thinking everything's okay. You have your plan in front of you. You got your desires happening. Everything's supposedly put in order. And out of nowhere, a great windstorm can arise. And, and it's, sometimes we say it's humorous. It really, it's really not humorous. It's frustrating, to be really honest, how, how and when God picks these times to cause us to go through a storm. Like, from, from, from our standpoint and from our emotional state, you know, God never really picks a great time for us to go through a storm. Have you ever been through a storm, and, and as you're sitting there going through it and you're thinking about it, you're like, man, this, thank you, God. This is really a great time for you to put me through this junk. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I haven't. And it's like God chooses these times when, 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 when you know, we, we was in, enjoying life. Things was going good. We was just like the disciples, just chilling in a boat, enjoying the ocean, waiting to get to the other side. Maybe throw a little fishing pole in, 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 in the water, catch a little fish, have some, have some uh, fish to eat. But then all of a sudden, no, Jesus or God could not let us just enjoy our peace. He had to send or allow a great windstorm to arise. You got to love him. You don't have a choice whether you like it or not. You got to love them anyway. Are you going to die and go to hell if you don't love them? So. But you, 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 you get the point. Sometimes it just happens. And we do have a choice in how we approach it. We can approach it according to God's will for our life. Or we can run away from it. We can try to ignore it. We can put it in the closet. We can say, no, I'm going to deal with it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes. And then, no, we're going to deal with it the next day. Then the next day comes. We're like, oh, no, we're going to deal with it next week. And then the next week comes. And we just procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. And taking that position and making those choices never allows us to experience the benefit of the storm. Because there is a benefit. Now, when we go through a demonic storm, there is not a benefit. God can use it for our benefit, but there is no benefit behind a demonic storm. The plan behind a demonic storm is to absolutely destroy you. Destroy you, destroy your marriage, destroy your faith, to absolutely beat you down. But when God allows you to go through a storm, it's not because he wants to beat you down. He just wants you to push the heavy weight to make you stronger. How many of you have ever exercised to get stronger or to lose weight? If, if you were doing it right, did it feel good? Now, if it felt good, you was not doing it right. But if you was doing it right, it did not feel good. But when it was consistently experienced, was there not a benefit from it? The benefit of 
getting more muscles, the benefit of becoming stronger, the benefit of becoming more fit, maybe the benefit of losing weight. And oftentimes it's, it's the same scenario. God doesn't put us through the storm to hurt us, but he knows he needs to inflict some struggle because it's in the struggle that we grow the most. And God has just created that dynamic in life that it's the struggle that creates the most growth. It's when you work the hardest. It's when you sacrifice the most. It's when you put the hours into, into your job that you get the most benefit out of your job. And it's just for whatever reason, God has created this type of reaping and sowing. So the apostles went through this storm that they didn't plan on, they didn't ask for, it just happened. And it was an opportunity for them to develop and grow and to become better versions of themselves. So let's jump back into this. We left, uh, we finished last week on, on where it says in the stern, that Jesus was in the stern. This week we're picking up on uh, Jesus is, a, is asleep on the pillow Now think about this. Jesus was asleep. Water was filling the boat. It was raging. The wind was blowing. The boat most likely getting tossed to and fro. And Jesus, not freaking out, not looking to make sure everything was okay, not giving commands. Jesus, our big brother, was just asleep. And not just in any form or fashion, he was asleep on a pillow. Gives us the idea that he made himself comfortable while he and his followers was going through the storm. So there's a couple, couple directions in this one little, little piece here. Let's start off with me asking you a question or asking ourselves a question. Can we get comfortable in a storm? He didn't have to get a pillow. The fact that he got a pillow says to me he was making himself comfortable in the storm. Do you have enough faith to be comfortable? In your storm. Do you have enough endurance. To get comfortable. In your storm. Do you know that everything's going to be alright. At the tail end. So therefore. You can get comfortable. In the storm. You don't have to. Freak out. You don't have to. Fear. You don't have to worry. You don't even have to call everybody and their mama to pray for you. Because you are comfortable going through this short season that God has you going through. And you're able to not just get comfortable, but you're able to rest knowing when you get out of this, you're going to be better, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be more able, you're going to be more wise, you're going to be a better version of yourself. 
And when you know that you got to go through it and you know that God is with you, instead of trying to get out of it, instead of trying to fear over it, instead of trying to call everybody in your, in, in their mama to pray so that God will deliver you from this, can you just sit back, relax, find some rest, and go to sleep in the storm that God is calling you to go through? It's your choice. The disciples could have chilled just like Jesus did, or they could have freaked out just like they did. It's your choice. How are you going to traverse your storm? The next point is it says, teacher, this is they woke Jesus up, and they said to Jesus, teacher, which not going to go down this road, but the fact that they alluded to him being a teacher uh, speaks volumes of, their, of, of really their faith in him. Because there is a difference in teacher and Messiah. A total difference than teacher and Messiah. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Man, there, I mean... At least, we have at least three big roads to go down here. We're not, but just to kind of give you an idea that you can just look at one little phrase or sentence in Scripture. And if you open up and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you something in it, he can send you down paths through just three or four little words. Teacher, do you not care? Right there, right there, do you not care? Do you? They were asking this question, do you not care? Do you not think about it? They was asking, Jesus, do you not care? He came because of caring. He ministered because of caring. He performed miracles because of caring. He called them out because of caring. He healed the sick because of caring. He raised the dead because of caring. God sent him into the world because of caring. He was going to die because of caring. But they asked him this stupid question. Jesus, do you not care? And what it shows us is they asked this question because they truly did not know. They didn't know the purpose and the extent of who Jesus was and what he was there to do. They didn't even know why they were really called and the potential and the reasoning. Because if they really understand the fact and the reality of their calling, they would not be asking Jesus, do you care? They knew that they would not be dying because they are called to do what they were called to do. Sometimes you can just know you're going to be okay because you know what God has called you to do. If God has called you to preach, then you're not going to die tomorrow. If God has called you to heal the sick, you're not going to die today. If God has called you to go somewhere and do something for him, you can rest and get comfortable in the storm, knowing you're going to go through it, but you're going to come out of it because God's callings are not repentful. God does not call them back. You're going to get through this thing because God's, God's called you to do something greater than what you're going through. They lost it. They, 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 they missed it. This is an area of scripture that irritates me a little bit. 
Do you not care? They lacked the insight into Jesus. They lacked insight into God. They lacked insight into his heart. They lacked insight into love. And check this. They did not know what he was doing with or for them. They were not able to discern that this was a moment of growth and what God was doing in and with their life. They thought they was going to die. We can get comfortable in the storm when we know or discern that God has something greater for us. The next one is Jesus rose up and he said, peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. See, Jesus had the power to change it all. Your God, your Savior, your Heavenly Father has the power to change it all. And this is what I've experienced in my life and my ministry, meaning for myself and with other people, is that when you've reached your limit, your true limit, not the limit that you think you have, that when you truly, truly reach your limit, God is going to come to your rescue. And he's going to say, peace, be still. See, these disciples, that they were pushed to their limit. This gave a true representation of where they were in their faith and in their relationship with God. You know, sometimes we just need to go through some things just to really show us where we really are. Because if, if we have a baseline for faith, if we have a baseline for our uh, maturity in God, then you know where to start at and where to grow from there. This was a baseline. And Jesus had took them to their limit. I don't think, I, I, I don't think what I'm about to say, uh, if, if, if so, I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but uh, I think, hey, Siri found it for me. I don't know if you heard that or not. She says, this is what I found. <laughs> I didn't ask you to find anything stupid. Sorry, that's my flesh. I get fleshly when it comes to these things. Sometimes I want to throw it, but then I'm like, oh, that's going to cost $1,000. I better not throw it. So I don't throw it. Uh, man, Syria messed me up, got me out of my flow. The devil was in Syria at that moment right there. So Jesus stopped it. Jesus stopped it. When they were at their limit. (sighs) 
God will stop it when you're at your limit. Been there, done it, bought the t-shirt. But I will also say, God will push you beyond your perceived limits. Why, why he does this, I have no clue. There's no rhyme or reason. And because we're each different individuals with different different levels of faith and different levels of maturity and, and different callings and things of that nature. You can't look at one and, 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 and create a puzzle off of it. You can't look at one and, and even find a rhythm from it. You can find similarities. The similarities being we all go through storms that God allows so that we each can grow. But how that is dealt with is on a very individual base level. But I do know this. God will put us through things that takes us to the limit. But it's at that limit when we remain faithful it's when we get the most out of him. See, it was at the limit that the disciples witnessed one of the most powerful miracles that Jesus performed. There's something about being pushed to your limit and connecting or experiencing God on an unlimited level. It's dynamic. It's, 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 it's interesting is, is not a good word for it, but it happens. Limits put us in a position to experience the unlimited. They experience Jesus rising up and saying, peace, be still. But what's, what, what's really cool is that limit just did not put them in a seat to be entertained. But that limit also put them in a position of what they were capable of. Because then, Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In other words, why are you so fearful? How is it that you don't have the faith to do what I just did? Or why is it you don't have the faith to go through what we just went through? So God, so this limit not only provided a front row seat to experience the unlimited power of God, it also positioned them for, for the possibility of what they can experience with their own faith. Sometimes God will perform in front of us not just for the sake of the witness, but for the reality of what 
we have the possibility of doing ourselves. If you was to study, read things that Jesus has said to the apostles and even what occurred from them after the ascension of Christ, you will see that they were positioned also for signs and wonders to operate at a great measure of faith. But something we have to notice is that there's two, two types of faith, faiths, plural, in what Jesus, what they went through and what Jesus was saying. There was the faith for power, but there was also the faith for endurance. When we go through storms, we need the ability to discern what faith we must use use for the outcome that God wants to produce through us. So when you're going through a storm or maybe even going through a storm with somebody, should you have faith in power? In other words, should you believe that you can rise up and speak to this storm, speak to this sickness, speak to this brokenness, speak to this despair, whatever the case may be, and therefore through that declaration and that authority and the Word of God in you experience a miraculous and supernatural change based off what you just said because God has chosen to work through you in that powerful way and, and through that powerful way. Or... Must you exercise the faith that it takes to endure the storm, not only endure the storm, but find rest and comfort in the storm? Because if we don't have the faith, or let me put it this way, if we have the faith for power, but yet God is calling, calling us to endure, we're going to get mixed up. But let's say God is calling us to exercise the faith that creates powerful results. But yet, in our mind, we're saying we just got to go through the storm. We just got to believe everything is okay. Sometimes, yes, God wants us to endure. But then sometimes, it's not about enduring. It's about rising up with the authority of Christ in us and speaking against that storm and experience it, experience it calming and becoming still. So this really requires a lot of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and it requires a lot of discernment. Because when you're going through storms, your emotions are heightened. Your thoughts and your ideas, your feelings, everything. You know, you're just wanting to stop. You're wanting to get out of it, trying to figure out what's happening. And so in, in all honesty, 
it can be uh, we ourselves might not be so trustworthy when we are basing our faith off of our own feelings. Because storms immediately invoke emotion from us. And we can be having this emotion, oh, I just want to get out of this. Or we could have the emotion, I got to endure. Or we, got, we can have the emotion of all these negative things. And it's natural. It's a byproduct. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you, uh, uh, you're not mature in Christ. No, emotions is a byproduct of a storm. So what we have to have in order to navigate this storm correctly is discernment and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, which is really the same. Because the discerning of spirits is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the ways the Holy Spirit works in us is being able to look at a situation and discern the reality of what's going on, whether that be for your own situation or maybe for the situation of somebody else. So we have to discern what kind of faith must I exercise in this storm that I'm going through. The faith of endurance or the faith of commanding the storm to be still. And that requires, once again, discernment. The last point, the disciples said, who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. They really didn't know him. They didn't know him. And all this statement is the reason why they responded the way they responded in this story. They did not know him. When you really don't know God, you don't have the ability to respond the right way to God. And when you don't properly or accurately respond the right way to God, you never ever receive all that you should receive from God. So it really does go back to knowing God, being intimate with God, being a sheep in his fold to notice the voice of God. Eve, in the beginning, really didn't know God. Because Satan was able to manipulate her perspective on God or who she thought God was. So Satan made it as if God was not all truthful or like God was hiding a possibility from her 
And the real reason she succumbed to the forbidden fruit was simply because she really didn't know God. Now, I know this is a lot to wrap her brain around. Garden of Eden, perfect environment. God walks with them in the cool of the day, blah, blah, blah. So the idea that she didn't know God is is a little bit uh, non-traditional when it comes to uh, Christian, typical Christian theology or however you want to put that. But if you really dive into it and you really look at what was really happening, like if, if someone was trying to tell me something about my wife that was just not accurate, that was not a part of her personality, I would know it in the shadow of a doubt. Why? Because I know her. Like some of you guys say how sweet she is. Mm. She is to you. And she is to me most of the time. But I'm the one person in her life that knows how to kind of exchange that sweetness to some bitterness. Ain't that right, babe? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Like, you don't know her like I know her. That cougar got some calls. And I need it. I need it because I, 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 can, I can get out of line a little bit. I, I, I'll be straight up. Say I can get, I, I, I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn. Uh, I, I got wild roots, and God has given me a wonderful woman to keep me in check. Can I get an amen from the husbands in the house? Don't you sit there at like you all righteous and something special because I know you're not. We all men, and we all, you know, we all boys at times and do stupid stuff. Let's move on. Shout, shout. The point is this. Like, you ain't going to tell me anything different because I know her. Say, Satan was able to tell Eve a little bit something different about God. And the only reason she believed it is because she really didn't know him. The disciples, the fact that they said, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. That question, who can this, who can, man, if, like, like I, I, I take time with these little things and I think, wow, that, what a question. Who can this be? They was literally asking, who can this be? Hasn't Jesus done enough already? But they said, who can this be? It's like they didn't get it. They didn't get it at this point in their life. Now, they got it, but at this point, they didn't get it. You and I, we're going to go through storms differently according to how we get God. The more you know God, the more you're in tune with his voice and the more you're able to discern what he's doing in your life, the better off you will be when you go through a storm. And you will find yourself able to get comfortable, and able to rest even when water's filling your boat. 
But on the opposite side, if you don't, you're going to deal with worry and fear and anxiety. You might be tempted to go back to old habits. You might be tempted to completely change your course of faith. And it's all rooted in the reality of what you know about God. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.